You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It's Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can check us all out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. Got a game tonight. Charlotte Hornets' first game since the All Star break occurred. It's going to be against the Washington Wizards. They play the Wizards two other times after tonight. So they've got three games in all that they have not played against the Wizards yet. You look at what they did last game. December 29th, they played, and that was on the road. You'll remember that was a really tough one for the Charlotte Hornets. 130-126, they lost. And they actually almost came back in the final 25 seconds of that game. There was a chance for them where they brought it, I think, within one point, 127 to 126. Kimba hit a three to bring it within one point, and you thought maybe there'd be a chance for the Charlotte Hornets to get a foul, and maybe Trevor Ariza would miss that free throw. But again, Trevor Ariza ended the game with a three-point play, brought it to 130 to 126, and then there was just not enough time left for the Charlotte Hornets to actually do anything about it, and they would eventually drop that one. Again, that was at the end of December, right before we turned the new year. And now they face the tough test. We all know how tough this schedule is going to be for them post-All-Star break. And you've got some players commenting on how they know how important every one of these last games are. We are in the territory of Charlotte Hornets fans where every single one of these games is extremely important. They're all must-win games, it seems like now. I gave not a hell for that at the beginning of the season, and I understand it accumulates over time. Those are the type of games that you have to look at and say, if you just could have won that one, they'd be in a different stance right now. But at least you have time to put something else on the other side of the scale. At least you can try to get a better performance to balance out a bad one at the beginning of the season. Couldn't do it. And the Charlotte Hornets now, they're struggling to make it in to the postseason. You've seen a couple comments from some Charlotte Hornets talk about how important the rest of the games are. Here's Jeremy Lamb on the importance of the rest of the way. Every game now is huge. And uh, like you said, we got some big games coming up. Some, um, you know, teams that can catch us or teams that we can catch. So uh, we got to be locked in, be focused, and be ready to play. Miles Bridges said something to a very similar fashion as well discussing the importance of all of these games that they have. It starts tonight against the Washington Wizards. Wizards are 7-23 and on the road. That's one of the few teams in the entire NBA that have a worse road record than the Charlotte Hornets do. Hornets at least have eight wins on the road. That ties with teams like the Chicago Bulls, which is completely unacceptable, especially if you're going to lock yourself in to a postseason berth. But at least you take a Wizards team that has not been strong away from Capital One Arena. Of course, this is a different team than when the Wizards and the Hornets played last time. You had a couple of trades that the Wizards were a part of. Just one trade, really. They got rid of Otto Porter Jr., so he's no longer on the team. They got Bobby Portis from the Chicago Bulls. He's come in and has done nicely with them, as well as Jabari Parker from the Chicago Bulls. So a couple of new additions. They did drop Markeith Morris, so they didn't want him on the basketball team anymore. Let him go. Markeith signs with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Looks like he's going to go there and provide what you would think would be a pretty significant impact, be a good guy off of the bench to provide for them at power forward. But now you look at the Wizards, this is a team that has been phenomenal offensively since 
both of the Bulls, Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis, came to Washington. You look at what they've done. 129 to 120 was the game that they just had against the Toronto Raptors before the All-Star break. Lost that one, but put up 120 points. They lost to the Detroit Pistons on the road. They put up 112. Lost to the Bulls, or they beat the Bulls, I should say, excuse me. They put up 134. So since Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker have been a part of the Washington Wizards roster, their offense went to number one in the league in points and assists. They're second in pace since both of those former Bulls came to the roster, and they're third in field goal percentage. And they've been good offensively, not so good defensively. They've given up a lot of points in their last few games. So that is something that the Hornets can look to exploit. And you look at that first meeting, Kimball Walker had a crazy game. Kimball Walker went for 47. He's had a 60-point game this season. We've seen him get up there. And against the Wizards on the road, you saw him put up one of the better performances shooting-wise. Went 6 of 9 from beyond the arc, 18 of 29 from the field. That all being done within just 36 minutes of play. Marvin and Nick got 36 minutes each as well. And Marvin had a pretty good game. 17 points for Marvin on top of seven rebounds. Hit three threes in the game on seven attempts from outside the line. Seven of 14 from the field. So Marvin Williams had a good one here. Cody Zeller, this was pre-injury. So you got to see Cody Zeller be a part of this roster. And Cody put up just eight points, six rebounds. Problem is, as you saw Thomas Bryant on the opposing side, have a very good game. If I'm not mistaken, it was one of the few first games that Thomas Bryant really kind of broke onto the scene. They haven't had Dwight Howard back. It looked like he is getting better, and now they can expect him to be back, I think, soon. He is not going to play tonight, as John Wall is certainly going to be out for the rest of the season. Thomas Bryant is going to fill in once again for a Dwight Howard who still has not come back, but it does look like he's going to come back sooner rather than later. And Thomas Bryant had 21 points against the Hornets on 10 rebounds. And 9 of 13 shooting. So they got a big boost from Bryant. Really, you look at the starting lineup for the Wizards. All of them got theirs. Trevor Ariza, 24 points in that game. Hit four threes, 8 of 17. Jeff Green had 13 points. Probably pretty understandable when you look at where he ranks on the pecking order of Wizards. You look at Thomas Bryant, 21. Bradley Beal only got 19. Bradley Beal was the fourth leading scorer on his own team in this game. Sadoransky. <laughs> 20 points. And the defense was just atrocious against the Washington Wizards. They allowed 40 points. We can remember Borrego doesn't like giving up 30-point quarters. I can't imagine any coach that does. But he gave 40 points up in the second quarter, and the Hornets gave up 36 in the fourth. So this might be one of those things where you need Kimball Walker to bail you out in the fourth quarter, hitting a couple of threes. Hopefully, they're just able to take care of business, and hopefully they've put that Orlando Magic game behind them because that was about as atrocious as you could possibly ask for. And Kemba Walker is ranked second in the league as far as most threes hit in the fourth quarter. Malik Monk tied for seventh, by the way. So hopefully Malik Monk and Kemba Walker can hit a couple of threes in this game to help you out because you're going to need all the buckets that you can get to outscore the Wizards. But the good thing is that the Wizards are likely to give those buckets up to you. It's a bad defensive team, but it is a good offensive team as they've demonstrated since they've had the new additions. And you can expect a high-scoring game just like you got in the first meeting when it was 130-126. to We're giving you Daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed, and we need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page. For just as little as $1 a month, you'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Go to patreon.com 
slash LOH. Again, that's patreon.com slash LOH. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, preview a little bit more of tonight, and talk about the rest of the season. It's Walker Mail here on LOH, Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing? Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for New Orleans. I, look, I love me some Eldon Campbell, but is that, is they, that the they were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night, they didn't have to take with them to New Orleans. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. Good night last night for the Charlotte Hornets, even though they didn't play a game. Got to see a couple of teams that they're going to be competing with go down. You got to see Brooklyn at home lose to the Portland Trailblazers 113-99. That is one of the positives that we talked about yesterday looking at the post-All-Star break schedule. Yes, the Charlotte Hornets have the second toughest schedule in all the league, but Brooklyn is right behind them at third in the league with the toughest schedule. Brooklyn, they go down to Portland just last night, so that's good news for the Hornets. And the Philadelphia 76ers, they helped the Charlotte Hornets. They didn't do that much this season, certainly in the head-to-head matchups, when they would barely eke out a victory every single time they played. But at least they helped them last night with a win over Miami. With a one-point lead, the Sixers with the ball, 12 on the shot clock. Here's Butler on a drive. Butler in the lane. Butler skids to a stop. Out stop J.J. J.J. fakes, fires, three ball. It's good. J.J. Reddick puts it in, delivers a big three, and the Sixers go up by four. So that puts Miami one more game down because they did lose to the Philadelphia 76ers, and that was a close game as well. That really separated them, that J.J. Reddick three. Jimmy Butler kicked it out to him and helps him out. So the Miami Heat, they are now... It looks like a game out of the seventh seed for the Charlotte Hornets, just right there with the Orlando Magic, who are also a game out of getting that seventh seed away from Charlotte. Detroit, just a half game back. Brooklyn currently sitting a game and a half in front of the Hornets. So that actually put them down, brought them a little bit closer. Hornets get a win tonight. They climb that much closer. They'd be 28 and 30. Brooklyn would be 30 and 30. And of course, nobody's going to be catching the fifth seed unless there is a massive fall from Indiana. And I don't even know why I'm putting that out there. That's not going to happen. So nobody's going to catch the fifth seed. Nobody's going to catch anything else. It's all about whether the Hornets can get to the sixth seed and basically just hold on for dear life as a part of the eighth seed. Thanks to 7.30 The Game, ESPN Charlotte, Essex Home Studios for housing us here today. Usually want to give a shout-out, though, to Gittimer.com Studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. You do have a roster update from the Hornets being tweeted out about 40 minutes from now, recording here about noon. Dwayne Bacon and Devontae Graham have been assigned to the Greensboro Swarm, and that means they will be available for tonight's road game against the Capital City Go-Go, and that starts at 7 o'clock. So no Devontae Graham on the roster for the Hornets coming out of the All-Star break. Interesting to me. You would think that Devontae would be on the roster, but I guess when they got Shelvin Mack through waivers that they decided that they would be able to mix Devontae Graham in with Greensboro a little bit more. 
You've seen him every time he goes to Greensboro. He destroys them. He destroys any opponent. He's going to destroy the go-go tonight, which, by the way, probably my favorite G League team. Don't know if I know all of them at the top of my head, but I can imagine that would be towards the top of the dome as far as all of the nicknames that I like of all the G League teams. So Devontae Graham, he goes down to the Greensboro Swarm, and they will not have their young rookie point guard on the roster as they face the Washington Wizards. So I want to take a look next at some of the questions that fans have had and listeners have had about the Charlotte Hornets. One earlier today on the wake-up call we discussed was which player on the Hornets has the most pressure to perform in this quote-unquote second half, but really just after the All-Star break of the season, who has the most pressure? And I, I can't think of any player that has a ton because a couple of guys are locked into contracts. I wouldn't say that Cody Zeller has a ton. I wouldn't say that MKG does. You know, maybe Kimball Walker because it is somebody that is the leader of this team and when you have to get look to get a bucket, Kimba's the guy that gets you there. And if they're going to make the playoffs, Kimba's going to be the leader. So perhaps there's some pressure on Kimba. You know, I don't think there's any pressure on Tony because he has far surpassed the expectations that we've had of him. The two names I came up with, and one way more so than the other, uh, I'll start with Jeremy Lamb, who I think may have a little bit, but even him, I, I think maybe not a stretch, but Jeremy Lamb I think is already going to get paid. I mean, he can't have the worst 25 games of his career and still expect to get what he would at this point. But I would imagine Jeremy Lamb is going to continue to put up 15 points per game, something close to that realm, and still get paid a handsome check. Certainly more handsome than any other contract that he's ever had. This is going to be the biggest one, and I still, I still think he's going to cash in on that. I think Malik Monk is the guy that you look at with the most pressure. Miles Bridges is going to get a lot more time. Nobody's going to write him off, even if he does struggle the last 25 games. I think most people would say that Miles Bridges is the best overall prospect that you have on this team right now. Malik Monk, it's pretty wishy-washy what people think about Malik. You know, and I think both sides have pretty strong arguments. I said yesterday that I hated it when everybody came so hard against Frank that he was not going to be a good basketball player. Now, yes, it turns out that Frank Kaminsky wasn't somebody that you could rely on as a player that you drafted ninth overall to be a pillar of this franchise. And certainly I get that. But you see so many times in the NBA where it takes a while for some players to develop. You see it constantly. It's not an escalator rise to the top. There are a lot of plateaus in between. It just It's different for all these players. Sometimes you have plateaus. Maybe some players have escalators, but you see all the time where it's a, it's a roller coaster all the way up. Sometimes you descend, and Malik Monk has certainly shown us a lot of drop-offs in production. He has been better this season. He's gotten more playing time. Steve Clifford did not want to play him all that much because he didn't want to sacrifice the playing, I guess, part of his development in actual games and sacrifice those for actual victories. I think I understood that to a point. I would have played him a little bit sooner than Clifford did. But James Borrego, he's held Malik Monk accountable, and he sat Malik Monk out. Maybe not a whole lot of did-not-play coaches' decisions, but Malik Monk has been out of the rotation at times because the guy just can't play defense. And so now if you get two years under your belt with Malik Monk, you need to start showing some progress in the third season, some serious progress. As a guy that was the 11th overall pick, he fell. I remember at the beginning of that entire draft process, there was a lot of people that thought he was going to go to the Knicks. I believe they picked it around eight, where they picked Frankie Smokes. A lot of people thought he was going to the Knicks. I asked Malik Monk when I did an interview with him right after he was drafted, 
He said, I thought I was going to the Knicks. I was surprised that I fell, that the Charlotte Hornets picked me. A lot of people thought it was going to be Zach Collins. I remember that was a popular pick. And of course, Donovan Mitchell. But Malik Monk fell, and I was excited. I thought he had the star power, and he's shown you that. It's tantalizing some of the things that he does. Again, I mentioned he was seventh in the NBA. He is seventh in the NBA in fourth quarter threes hit. Yeah, you can pop, you can give that to some garbage time. And that can't be lost when bringing up that stat. It has to be accounted for. But there are times that you could see Malik Monk show up in the fourth quarter. And so if this is somebody that does a huge dissension once again at this part of the season, right before we go into his third year, then what are we going to be talking about all offseason long? We're going to talk about Malik Monk one way or the other. Part of what puts so much pressure on him is the fact that you look at who's in his starting spot now at the two guard, it's Jeremy Lamb. And so when Jeremy Lamb leaves this offseason and gets paid, who are the Hornets going to look to step up in his place? It's not going to be a free agent because they're not going to have a whole lot of money to spend after they give a ton to Kimba Walker. And they're going to pick up Tony Parker's option as they should. So now you're talking about a lot of money already on the books. You're not going to get a free agent that's going to start over Malik Monk. You might try to teeter with the lineup, but you're not going to get a better shooting guard or one that you're looking to play more than Malik Monk. And so with Jeremy Lamb off the roster, these last 25 games, you want Malik Monk to leave you confident in his ability to improve again in the offseason and be the guy that you look for to be Kimba's backcourt mate next season. Of course, all of that is contingent on whether Kimba Walker stays or he leaves. But if Kimba Walker signs that contract with the Hornets, I think we all would most likely say that he stays. And so if you have Kimba and then you let Jeremy walk because it's just going to be too much money, Malik Monk's got to be that guy. And you want to feel comfortable about Malik Monk as the 11th overall pick heading into his third season in the NBA. That's the guy that, to me, has the most pressure when it comes to any of the players on the Charlotte Hornets. We appreciate you joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're a part of the Locked on Podcast Network. we got one more break, and then we have one more segment before we get you to the weekend. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're going to talk about Jim or Jay Laranaga and James Borrego. Should get the first name right. (laughs) Well, maybe that one I should get. Actually, his real name is James. But they call him Jay. We'll call him Jay, too. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Tony Parker looks to be good to go tonight after having back spasms and that keeping him out for a couple of games. I know a lot of people got a little worried when the Hornets went out and decided to sign Shelvin Mack. You thought maybe it meant a little bit more of a serious injury for Tony Parker, but they feel good. They let Devontae Graham go down to the Greensboro Swarm again. He's going to play against the Capital City Go-Go, and you have Tony Parker coming back for his first game in quite a while. And it's good because the Hornets, they need as many wins as they possibly can get to make this playoff push. It's important because this is a team that has gone all in on making the postseason. You look at their record when Tony Parker doesn't play, they're 1-10. They've only won one time 
when Tony Parker doesn't play. James Borrego spoke at practice the other day, and he discussed the importance of Tony Parker and how much Parker could play in a game if he's absolutely needed down the stretch. I'm going to ride him as long as I need to right now. I think, you know, every game's so important. If we need him beyond 20, I've got to be careful, but I feel comfortable in that range. Here's also Borrego on just what Tony Parker has meant to them this entire season. Well, we've really missed him in a tremendous way, but um, it's good to have him back. He was out here today, looked good. He did uh, you know, every bit of practice today. Let's see how he looks tomorrow You know, once he comes back in. But uh, I think we're training the right way with him physically, and uh, we're going to need him. They are going to need him. You've seen them really struggle when they have not had him out on the court. And Tony Parker has been a guy that has been phenomenal in the fourth quarter. You've seen his stats when he puts him up in the fourth quarter. He's been great. And something that Tony Parker has talked about with the Charlotte Hornets ever since he's been a part of this team was saying, hey, don't end my playoff streak. He's been to the playoffs every year for a really long time. And so now when you have the Eastern Conference looking the way it is with a couple of teams nipping at the Hornets' heels, Brooklyn Nets ahead of them, it's going to be tough for them to do it, especially with this stretch. But Tony's saying now's the time. And Borrego was also asked on how important it is for these younger players to make the playoffs and what it means to their overall psyche. Well, it's so valuable. When guys can taste it, it's one thing to talk to your guys about the playoffs, mm -hmm. but it's another thing to taste it and live it. And I, my experience has been when guys have tasted the playoffs for the first time, that summer and that next year they make a major jump. That they go, you know what? I get it now. I'm hungrier now. I'm going to work harder now. I see what the playoff intensity feels like. I see what that level uh, entails. And what it does is it pushes guys to work harder is really what it does. And it challenges you to push your body, push your skill set, get in the gym more. And uh, it just gives you a hunger that you can't describe to somebody unless they go through it. Coach that's been with the playoff organization for a long time when he was with the San Antonio Spurs, I would imagine he knows what he's talking about. And I can buy into that. Younger players tasting that postseason game, wanting to continue to go deeper in the playoffs. And you can look at Kimba Walker, hadn't been very many times. It's somebody that said on the jump set when he was there playing the Clippers in L.A., went over to talk with Rachel Nichols and company over there on the jump and said how badly he wants to get into the postseason and you know guys like Miles and Malik and all of these players want it for Kimba Walker to stay a part of this team and actually have some type of success. It is, I don't know if it's the biggest prize in the world to make the playoffs, but it is an accomplishment. The Charlotte Hornets will be known as a playoff team. Oh, I understand it's different merit that some people put into that moniker, being a playoff team. You technically don't even have to finish in the top half, but at least you did get to the postseason, and maybe you can win a couple of games. You get to see a couple of games that will be held in the Spectrum Center. At least you're guaranteed two. They're probably going to be playing either one of the Philadelphia 76ers, the Toronto Raptors, or the Milwaukee Bucks, but they've had success against Philadelphia in the fact of maybe not winning, <laughs> but they have been very close in the fourth quarter. They just weren't able to win it in crunch time. Jimmy Butler hits a very clutch three when Kimba Walker goes off for 60 points. They played Philly very tough. They've played Milwaukee very tough. That's a trophy win that they have playing against Milwaukee. They looked very good the last time they played Milwaukee, except the fourth quarter happened, and then they eventually lost. 
But I'll sign up for a tough series with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, nobody thinks they're going to win the championship, but I would love to see them get to the playoffs, and I think that would be good for all of the people, all of the players that are involved, including Kimball Walker, including Malik Monk, including some of these young guys, and Tony Parker. He would at least get to keep his streak alive as a player that's been to the playoffs so many times consecutively. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Hornets here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again. We hope you have a good weekend, and we'll be back with you on Monday to recap what the Hornets did over the weekend.